Baptist Church. We do this podcast because we want to help equip our people, and we want them to understand the idea that there is no greater joy, N-O, than knowing greater joy, K-N-O-W, and walking in three areas of life that we see in the life of a believer, that is being a 24-7 worshiper, being a go person, and being an alongsider. And so we're continuing a, a conversation we've already started in the previous two episodes. So if you haven't listened to 21 or 22 episodes, you know, episodes 21, 22, I would suggest pausing this episode, heading back, listening to those two, because this is we're working through a spectrum here, uh, and we want to make sure you're we're not leaving you in the dust. So if you haven't listened, again, go back to episode 21. Uh, but today we're going to continue the conversation, uh, looking at these spiritual growth categories. All right, I will. We didn't I introduce will. ourselves. That's okay. I was getting there, Dan. Don't worry. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Oh, man. Well, so that's that's Dan. Dan, our producer, uh, correcting me already. And content advisor. Content advisor. Yes, yes. Making it, making it happen. Dan, thank you for helping produce this podcast, for getting it into the airwaves. Uh, but sitting here, I am uh, Associate Pastor Ryan Atkins. Across from me is... Uh, lead Pastor Steve Strong here at Grace. We love it. That's right. I love our people. Love serving our people. Um, again, we're we're thinking through these alongsiding categories, just identifying where people are uh, with this kind of spectrum, this rubric of spiritual characteristics. And so, um, Steve, if you could, kind of, why are we doing this? Why just help us understand briefly? Yeah, a couple episodes ago, we probably spent more time than we were right now, just kind of why we're doing it. So, again, go back and. Just refresh your memory with that. But one of the reasons that I just want to highlight at the beginning of this before we get into the third spiritual category is uh, I think this can be helpful working through this little grid, these spiritual characteristics, uh, stages, if you will, or whatever, is I think, you know, we often just kind of live our Christian lives without stopping and evaluating our Christian lives. And so... uh, and we, we don't stop. We don't stop to assess. We don't stop to engage maybe where we are in our own Christ-likeness. And, and it's sometimes, I think, difficult to kind of quantify where we are in our walk with Jesus Christ. It's, you know, it's a lot like any kind of relationship that we have, maybe with a spouse or children. It just kind of continues, and it grows. It ebbs and flows. Uh, and just like any kind of human relationship, it's good to stop and how are we? You know, what's going on? Or as parents, is it, you're like, all right, so like what's happening? Before you know it, our kids are graduating and getting married. And and so it's good to just kind of stop and evaluate and assess where we are. And so I think having a framework to kind of guide us in that is is worth talking about and presenting. And so we have these four uh, stages of spiritual growth, I guess, as you could put it, and these and different characteristics for each of those different stages. So um, so try to quantify a little bit of what spiritual growth looks like. Yeah, there's no scale to step on and see what your number is. Yeah. You know, it's not like a weight or a height. It's, it is this spectrum, this continuous process. Well, it's not even an age number. Right. You know, where, all right, if you're 35, there are certain characteristics. If you're 65 in general, there are certain characteristics. Um, Spiritual growth 
you know, we don't necessarily kind of have that, but mm-hmm. there are some parallels. And I think a little grid, a little framework is, is helpful for that. Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's, let's get into category three. This is a spiritual person. And so, Steve, how would you generally describe a spiritual person? Yep, and I, I think it's helpful also for, with a spiritual person, where we've come from, you know, the first episode we looked at the carnal person, the first category, or excuse me, the natural person, that first category, just spiritually dead. The next category was a carnal person. This would be someone who is, you know, they've, they've gotten saved, They've put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is indwelling them and giving them life, and there's regeneration, but there's like it's an infancy, all right? And so this third one, there's we're calling, I guess, a spiritual person, a spiritual adolescent. And um, I guess some of the, the key passages as we were thinking through this would be 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and also chapter 2. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3... Paul's writing to the believers, obviously they're in Corinth, and he says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, Um, but he's addressing them as of the flesh, as infants in Christ, as carnal people there in our categories. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh, for while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving only in a human way? So, like a majority of that description think the opposite. So there he could have been addressing them as spiritual people. Um, and then a chapter before that, 1 Corinthians 2.15, he says, you know, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. That idea of judging, that idea of discerning, of evaluating, you know, a spiritual person in a general way is think about a spiritual adolescent or a young adult. Think about someone who is beginning to take ownership. Think about someone who is responding to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Think a young adult. Think think honestly the Holy Spirit. Think someone, think about our own spiritual, our own physical adolescence and our own young adulthood. It, it's during those years that a person kind of comes into their own. They're identifying who they are. They're owning who they are. Um, and there's less dependence on others. And there's very much a forming of them own, of their own selves. You know, you think about your own time in high school, college, and 20s. You know, you're you're stepping away from a lot of the the mentors, your parents, teachers, professors, and you're you're like you're out on your own. You're probably you know very well could be getting married. You're establishing your own patterns, your own habits. You're like this is your way. It looks a little bit probably like maybe what you grew up in, but like you're it's your own. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working. You're a little more uh, self sufficient and independent. Um, and I, I think that's a good parallel for what, what maybe Paul's getting at here with a spiritual person. He's like, I wanted to address you as a spiritual person, one who is not totally dependent on other people. You should be able to teach. You should be able to, you should have been taking ownership 
able to discern and to judge and to evaluate. Um, so I, I think that's a kind of a general description and the idea, I think, of what Paul's presenting here. So, mm-hmm. And so if we continue, we've got kind of in this grid kind of some characteristics and how these individuals respond to certain things. And the first one is, like, how does... What are the characteristics of how this person responds to the Word? How do they respond to Scripture itself? Yeah, so if we remember the, the the spiritually dead person, the natural, which was that first category that we talked about, there's there's no understanding, there's no light. It's not like they can't read Bible, read the Bible, see the words, and see what they're saying, but there's not a, a spiritual discernment, a spiritual understanding. Then when a person comes to Christ, they're the spiritual infant— and there's this, yes, an intellectual consent, yes, I believe, yes, this is true. Well, as they grow in their response to the Word of God, here at this spiritual person, this spiritual adolescence, think about, you know, there's a growing, and maybe think about a bent. So there's, there's a bent toward the Word of God. There's a draw to the Word of God. Um, what Paul wrote, that verse that we read earlier, the spiritual person judges all things. They're looking to understand and apply. You know, so like a a physical adolescent young adult, they're, yes, they've learned the content, but now they're learning to, and, and there's this desire to now do it. I, I, I want to do this and put it to work, all right? And so there, it's the same sense spiritually. There's a real sense of, wow, I have to be doing this. But then there's also Psalm 1, you know, delighting in the Word of God. So there is a sense of, all right, I need to be doing this myself. I have to be doing this myself. There's a sense of responsibility. There's a sense of ownership. But then also with the spiritual adolescent is there's joy. There's desire in this. I delight in the Word of God. And then rather than needing teachers for the Word of God, there's a growing sense of studying and teaching myself with mm-hmm. the Word of God. You know, I, mean, I think we see it in our children. They go from needing teachers to tell me, and even as you're working with students, starting to lead them, all right, this is how you start to study for yourself and you get mm-hmm. to college and, you know, and then the as they're getting out of college, these young adults, there's a sense of, all right, I can sit down and I can learn the material. I'm going to teach myself, mm-hmm. all right? So there's this ear, there's this bent toward the Word of God, there's a draw to it, a delight in it, and I'm going to, I'm going to learn. I'm going to teach myself, so... Yeah, I think thinking back to previous episodes when we were talking about the like infants, you like as an adult, you have to feed the infant. Yes. Here, they're now feeding themselves. Like they're spending time in the word. They're just applying and understanding and interpreting and starting to get into that rhythm of actually feeding themselves. And I think that's just a cool visual um, yep. between yep. the two. So, yep. how about characteristics of the spiritual individual? Uh, how their relationship to God. Yeah, so same thing. We You start to see this progression, and I like the word bent or disposition. You know, you have as a spiritually dead person, as a, the natural person, there's really no evidence. There's, they're, they're people pleasers. They're not God pleasers. 
And when it comes to the spiritual infant, the carnal person who is still kind of of the flesh, there is still very much a me-centered bent in their relationship with God. This is who God is for me and what he can do for me. Well, as this person is growing, there's becomes more of a heart for God. All right? It's not so much what God can do for me, but we're beginning to see these these desires and these seeds planted of what can I do for God. There's a heart that is bent toward him. I think about uh, Colossians 3.23. You know, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and unto men. And so you're looking at whatever kind of context this spiritual, this spiritual person is in, this young adult, this adolescent, and whether it's at work or at home or at church even or in their own recreation, they're doing everything heartily, but it's that attitude of, I'm doing it as unto God. So there is like this, there's this recognition that everything that I do is for him, not to get from him, all right? And so, and I think we see this naturally in our human relationships. There's, there becomes a change in children, teenagers, college students, young adults, that relationship with your parents change. Very much early on, it's getting from them. You know, we, we, we take from them. Then there's a transition to now, you know, just being with and doing mm-hmm. for, wanting to encourage and benefit others, all right? And so it's that same kind of thing with our Heavenly Father. Um, having the mind of Christ... Uh, there's there's a real sense, and when we were, you know, we were studying through the book of First Samuel, you know, the lessons that David was learning, this sense of there's a you know this desire and a passion for God's will, God's way, and God's when, you know, so there's a real change in how the spiritual person is seeing their circumstances, um, and there's a real commitment and desire to honor God, His will. We're going to do things His way. I'm going to rest in His will, uh, His when. And it's really sensing God's agenda, God's hand, His sovereignty. Um, so there's this real bent and sensitivity to God. His will, His when, His way, my life, and, and a real appreciation and commitment to his sovereignty and recognizing, okay, I know that God is at work. I'm going to submit to that. I'm going to see that, and I'm going to partner with that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. so there's a real bent toward God. All right. And how about the, the relationship to sin? Yeah, I think this is probably one of the most defining kind of characteristics of a spiritual person. Um if you remember the the carnal, the spiritual infant, their relationship to sin, and even with the Word of God and with God Himself, is very list-oriented. You know, this cut and dry. So do, don't, do, don't. You have this list. Mm-hmm. Well, the spiritual person, this 
spiritual young adult uh, is not so much driven or gravitating or our word bent toward a list, but it's relationships. You know, you think about the things that Paul and how he was challenging these Christians, you know, this isn't Paul, but it was John when he writes in John chapter four, just about love. You know, the defining mark of the disciple of Jesus Christ is, is love. And so what, when it comes to maybe right or wrong, or what is going to be determining my actions, it's relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's what is loving in this moment. Um, you think about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, one of the, I guess one of the overarching kind of descriptors of the spiritual adolescent or the spiritual person, the spiritual young adult, is, you know, here's a person that is of the Holy Spirit. They are walking in the Spirit. And we're seeing the fruit of the Spirit. You know, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. But you think about some of the other ones. They're very much relationship-guided. Yeah, you know, there's there's patience, there's long-suffering, there's gentleness, there's a sense of goodness. Toward, and, and to me, the context is the other person. I'm focused on the other person. Um, and the spiritual adolescent, the spiritual young person, when it comes to their relationship with sin, it's it's not like, well, because of the other person, all of a sudden it's okay to lie. No, it's never okay to lie. We always are going to tell the truth. But there's a greater sensitivity now for the others. All right? And so we're not driven by these lists. We're now driven and motivated by these relationships with other people. And, and, and I guess when it comes to the actual, you know, the sins that are listed in Scripture, whether it's anger or lust or uh, other things, our own pride and our selfishness, I think Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 3 kind of a great um, example of gaining victory over sin is, is that there is a greater treasure you know, for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, he considered everything loss. And so when it comes to our relationship with sin, you know, the spiritual infant, the carnal person, driven by these lists, the spiritual adolescent and the spiritual young adult is not so much driven by a list of right and wrong, but a love for others and foremost, a treasuring of Jesus. You know, and so uh, it really becomes this mindset of how could I do this against Jesus Christ? Like this is so, you know, this moment of lust, this moment of deceit, this moment of anger, this moment of being hard and rude. Like that, Jesus means the world to me, so I'm not going to do that to him. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the spiritual person has this, just this bent toward relationship, the relationship with God, with Jesus, the relationship with other, with others. And so uh, they see the impact that it has on those relationships, and all of a sudden that becomes this motivating factor. I, like I, why would I do this mm-hmm. to other people? 
and to to Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think you see the the growth from just I'm sinning against you as an individual to I'm not just sinning against you, I'm also sinning against God yeah, in so these moments. That's right. And what's happening in the spiritual growth is there's uh we'll see this even more in the spiritual adult, the next category, but the carnal person is still very inward centered. And there's this back and forth struggle. They're very kind of inward. The spiritual adolescent, the spiritual person, is there. There's still kind of an inward sense, like I'm doing it for myself. But there's we're beginning to see this outward kind of focus. Mm-hmm. So we'll see it even more in the next category, but specifically in this area of sinning, is there is an outward sense of love for others, love for God. Yes. And that and so like that's that's overcoming this sin nature in us. Like we're overwhelming the sin nature, or as Owen will put it, put it to death by a greater love. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing that take place in others. Yeah. In these spiritual interests. So what are some kind of goals and needs for these individuals, people you would put into this category, what what are some goals we should have for them as we're alongsiding? What are needs that you've identified for them? Yeah, so uh, kind of, again, following this progression, um, the spiritually dead person, their need, of course, is life. <laughs> so salvation is their need. The spiritual infant, the carnal person who is still of the flesh, Again, there's this back and forth, um, ups and downs, highs and lows. There's this back and forth struggle in their life, and so they need this stabilization. But for this category, the spiritual adolescent, in in this course of spiritual growth, the need, and and I guess if you just think about it with uh, any other, or as it comes to just our own physical growth and maturation, is that is maturity. Mm -hmm. There just needs to be, because... You know, and I guess apologies to all of our 20-somethings out there, but there is a sense of maturity. You know, there is, there's still that, those seeds of juvenile behavior that are there. <laughs> Even though here I am, I'm 46, and my wife is saying, you know, hey, you need yeah. acting like a <laughs> teenager still, you need to knock it off. You know, there's always that in us. But there needs to become, you know, uh, just maturity. I think those are the greatest. That is, in, in a nutshell, the need. We're looking for the the stabilization of maturity, you know, that solidifying. And so it's so some of the goals, what that looks like is, all right, we know that you're beginning to become independent and you're feeding yourself, you're discerning, you're making judgments, you're making assessments and evaluations, and you know, you're doing this for yourself. You have a bent in your relationships toward God, toward his word, toward others. Um, and so I think this maturity comes into play when it's all right, what you what what the need is is really in the next step is you need to begin to look beyond yourself. All right. Where this maturity, yes, you continue to evaluate yourself. What are the blind spots? What are the weak areas? Um, you're developing ministry skills. You're gaining respect from others. 
the next step really is, all right, you need to mature and then begin to look beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think the way that that happens is, and I, you know, we talk about alongsiding, is this idea of uh, come alongside me. You know, I'm going to involve so the person who's in this category who needs to continue to solidify their own spirituality, their own walk with the Lord, and to begin to look outside themselves, well, then I'm going to help them look outside themselves by inviting them with me in others. You know, so you're going to minister with me, you're going to serve with me. You know, so it's, you know what, hey, you know, the things that I'm normally doing, I'm going to involve them in specifically in those areas of service and ministering to other people. So yeah, I'm coming alongside Mr. Joe over here, and I have a spiritual adolescent with me. I say, hey, come with me while I minister to Joe, and I just want you to watch and be there. Mm-hmm. You know, So you're inviting them into looking beyond themselves. So, mm-hmm. um, Any other thoughts, things that have popped up into your mind that have, don't necessarily fit into any of these specific buckets that just... No, I, I think, um, I guess the only thing is the spiritual carnal, the infant, back and forth, the spiritual adolescent, the young adult spiritually, not age-wise, but young adult, is there is a general forward movement toward Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So you've broken free of the back and forth struggle, and there is a general forward mm-hmm. direction. Um and to be honest with you, probably a majority of those in our lives are in one of these two categories. Either the, the carnal Either or the, the carnal or the spiritual, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> so. All right. Well, I think that about finishes up this conversation then. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, look forward to getting with you on the next one. And we'll be looking at the last category, the spiritual leader or adult. Um, so thanks again for listening uh, from the pastors here at Grace. God bless. Thanks again to Dan. That's right. Have a great day. Have a good one.